ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Benedettiville. Thanks so much for joining us. You have got Gio Benedetti here in the studio and Stella Jean Benedetti here in the studio with you live on Sunday at p.m. Hey, Stella, you got something to say about your uh, sniffles over there? <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> Very nice, my dear. That the sniffles help me read a book, I guess. <laughs> we just came from the bookstore. Stella, you want to say what, uh, what book you got? Uh, what's it? By Roald you know, we were going to save this, but I think uh, I think what you just started was a little bit of. Oh, we just got a we just got a caller on the line that said, "I'm sorry, what what are you guys talking about? What's this thing? They they are not clear of what's about to happen." It's called the Benedettiville Book Club, and we wrote a song about it. It goes like this. Hey, 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 it goes like this. I think they want to hear it one more time. Some people just tuned in. I think you're probably right about that. Well, let's see if we can uh, get it for them one more time here. Hey, uh, DJ, can you play that track one more time? All right. Now, for real. Stella, you want to say what that book is one more time? It's called... It's called The Witches by Roald Dahl. Illustrated by Quentin Blake. Yeah, we are big... We're big fans of Roald Dahl. And I really enjoy the illustrations by Quentin Blake. If you have a Roald Dahl book without those illustrations, I highly encourage... For you to get a Roald Dahl illustration by Quentin Check out that guy's illustrations. Now, we just... Roald Dahl is also a pretty good illustrator. Sometimes he has books without Quentin Blake. Yeah, well, there are other illustrators that have tried to illustrate his book. That is definitely for sure. Now, we also have to say that we finished the last chapter book that we were working on, which was called... Oh, no, yeah, don't blow on the mic. Thanks, thanks, bucko. Uh, let's see, we read Bigfoot, Littlefoot by Ellen Potter. What did you think about that one, Stel? That was a pretty good book. I thought it was pretty myself. good. Yeah. I, um, I number it. one is because I got it signed and everything. Um, number two is... When she says everything, that means she got the book signed with an Oreo cookie. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, all you authors yeah. out there, when you're signing books, bring Oreos. Yeah. Especially if you're going to Copperfield's bookstore. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just, you know, bring some Oreos. Yeah. But it, I thought it was a lovely story. It was very fun. Um, had some really, really lovely language and chapters. Interesting stuff going on, and we finished it, and now it's time for it's time for another chapter book. So the new chapter book is going to be the witches, and we'll tell you we'll tell you what we think about that. But if you guys want to read along, if you guys want to read along at home, find wherever books are available, libraries, bookstores, bookshelves, friends, bookshelves. Get the witches. Read along. Read. Read. All you want to do is read. Speaking of reading, I think that. I think it's time for a poem. You think it's time for a poem? I think that all the books just showed up. I think it's time for a poem because uh, I didn't have a poem last week, but I do have a poem this week because I got a little inspired about uh, dragons this week. How do you get inspired by dragons? Because dragons are inspiring every week. You know what? It's more of a challenge to write about things that aren't dragons than it is to write about things that are dragons. 
Well, actually, for me, it's the opposite way. I could write something about flowers. Every day? Every day. Of your life? Okay. For the rest of your life? Yes. Stella, I challenge you. It's on the radio right now. Ladies and gentlemen, I am hereby challenging Stella to write something about flowers every day of her life for the rest of her life. Stella, why don't you start writing something about flowers right now on the radio? I don't think I can do that. I never start, thought I would do start, that. Start, once upon a time there was a flower. Once upon a time there was a flower. The end. That was very short. I hope they get longer as you go. <laughs> you got a lot of days left to go. All right. Well, uh, here... this is. I only have one day left to go? Oh. Oh, come on. Let's not be morbid about that. No way. Millions of days left. I'm going to read a poem. This is a poem called Harold Bergen, Dragon Hunter. Maybe it's a fake poem. It's a real poem. It's a real poem. That are, uh, ladies and gentlemen, listening to KPCA-LP in Petaluma, California, 103.3 FM, or streaming live on the net at kpca.fm. Um, I want to be Shel Silverstein. I also want to be Roald Dahl. So everybody knows that you want to be Shel. Well, just in case. Just in case. Got all the pictures. Well, hey, if anybody out there has a way to make these things happen, I'm gonna throw another poem out there into the world, and we'll see if uh, my mission becomes any more successful. All right, so here it comes. <clears throat> Harold Bergen, Dragon Hunter. My name is Harold Bergen, and I'm a real dragon hunter. I'm a fearless, rough and ready, all things dangerous confronter. If you've got a monster problem, if a dragon's on your block, I can be the one to solve it. I can clean that dragon's clock. I can whoop a dozen goblins with one hand behind my back. I can outwrestle an ogre. I can stop a troll attack. My name is Harold Bergen, and I only work alone, so don't ask to come with me. No spectators, just stay home. The Davis twins had witches, and they came along to see. I took care of the witches, but the twins got turned to bees. When Miss McGregor asked to come while I dealt with her giant, I said no. She disobeyed. Now she's my flattest client. I used to have a partner. His name was Groovy Jim, but a super nasty ogre out on Fifth Street gobbled him. My old friend Steve had volunteered. He lasted just a month when the Fern Street Dragon had a roasted Steve burger for lunch. My name is Harold Berg, and I'm a real monster slayer. I'm the neighborhood's reliable, all-safe-from-beasts purveyor. So if you have a problem, send a letter, call my phone, but please, oh please, do stay away. I only work alone. That's a good rhyming poem, I think. Yeah? A good one. Thanks. I like that one. Yeah, I test them all out at home before I bring them into the studio, just because, you know, sometimes they work out, sometimes they don't. Sometimes your poems go like this. Yeah, once upon a time there was a butterfly named Jervis. The end. That's actually a pretty great poem, Stella. I think you got a lot there. Once upon a time there was a butterfly named Jervis. The end. Um, well, hey, Stella, you see that large blinking light over there? The large, large blinking light. It means oh. it's time to play a message from our sponsors. That one. Yeah, that one. The one that we got to play. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, um, thanks for uh, tuning in. Uh, we got a nice, lovely show for you today. Some fun stories coming at you. But first, let's hear this word from our sponsors. Yes, hello, good morrow, and well met. 
Look about you. Notice the green hills, the babbling brook, the waves lapping at the sand, sunlit shores. You see sweet, local tranquility. While I, Sir Pershing of Sir Pershing's sword fighting academy, see danger. Green hills, here there be goblins. Babbling brooks, well, here there be brook dragons. Waves on the beach, ha, here there be sea serpents. And you, soft, doughy city person that you are, you are no match for these dangers. When the orc hordes come raging down Petaluma Boulevard, when the Dark Knight leads his host against the walls of Petaluma herself, what then, city person with your soft hands and your circular telephone? I'll tell you what, we fight! Come to me and learn the noble, savage, honorable, courageous way of battling foul beasts and smiting evil with the greatest of weapons, the sword. I'll teach you cutting and slicing, chopping, lopping, swinging, spinning, twirling, and thrusting. I'll teach you how to combat the underworld's menagerie of fearsome foes. The fees, as it says on all of my flyers, must be paid in gold coins. I can't believe so few of you have gold coins. And you must bring your own sword. There are no other restrictions. All ages, all skill levels are welcome. To inquire for lessons, you need only blow three short blasts upon your hunting horn from the yellow challenges. I shall hearken to your call. Be soft and squishy no more, city people. Own yourself and your brain with me, Sir Pershing of Sir Pershing's Sword Fighting Academy. Kind of. Also, uh, that was uh, Stella's mom, my lovely wife, Jen, singing about the land of golden dreams. Uh, I true. Not true. <laughs> uh, not true. 
I don't know. I think true. I'm going to go with true on that I'm one. I'm going to go not true. I'm going to go true with the bloodsucker lake. Uh, well, Nino told me that one was true. Grandpa never told me that Mama went to the land of golden dreams. Yeah. Uh, well, hey, you know what? I think that the land of golden dreams happened. I think uh, she got crowned with the crown. I think that's what happened. I mean, I do have a crown, but it didn't come from her. It came from the costume store. You don't know that. Come now. Yeah, I um, do. Well, let's see. We have, um, we like stories here at Benedettiville. Big fans of stories. it's not sparkly. True, but it's Or itchy. Oh, well, you might be onto something then. It might be a little bit made up. Uh, a little bit. We love stories in all shapes, sizes, all forms, and um, we went over to... Stella's Square. <laughs> I had to turn off your microphone, so you can't snort. <laughs> um, we should do an entire show. Um, no way, no way, not until not until the uh, the boogies are done. So anyway, um, Jenny uh, goes over to I think it's McKinley McKinley School, and we ask the kids different questions. And this is one of the adventures that she went on over at McKinley. Turn back on my microphone. Of course I would. And now we're going to turn it back off again. What are your favorite kinds of books to read? Well, I like sort of adventure fantasy stories because they're really fun to read, and I really like imagining what's happening in the story because it gives you kind of like a new window into something else rather than just what's happening around you. Uh, I like nonfiction books because you get to learn about a lot of stuff, and some of the things that you get to learn about are like creepy, and some of them are actually kind of cool. That's why I like it. Stella, what are the things that you like to read or you like to learn about from nonfiction books that are creepy? Can you give us an example? Uh, I know you recorded this like a year ago, but do you remember what it was that you were thinking of? Everything. Everything? Yep. So let's say you're reading a cookbook, it tells you how to make cookies. You read about how to make cookies, you're like, wow, that's super creepy? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Well, not everything is creepy in those books, just some things. Yeah, but what kind of books are these? Well, they're like spider books. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Bug books? Uh, No, thanks. Absolutely. Okay, now I see where you're saying. All right. Well, well, let's go back. Let's let mom finish her questions here. Okay. Thanks for, I, thanks for this. I, Bye. Wait. Oh, here we go. I, okay. Um, they're just really fun to read. Um, I really like um, realistic fiction, and I like fantasy because it's like really, um, it takes you to like a whole other story that you've never even known there is. That's what I like. We already played that like 15 times. We can't be doing that anymore. Turn it down. Oh my, I'm really sorry, you guys. We have a new engineer working the controls today. Don't say sorry to mom for interrupting her question. Those questions were done, but we have some other. We have some other kids that are going to check in with with their stories and their their thoughts about uh, stories, the stories uh, that Elon, they like. Megan. Yep. Mm, Daniela. I think we have uh, Ursula, Cooper, Ursula, and e- Cooper, Elon are going to check yeah. in. Yeah, absolutely. And in the meantime, um, you may have noticed, Stella, uh, our good friend. Yes, 
Uh, I was thinking more about Robert Boss. Our buddy Robert Boss, radio painter, just popped in. Paint like a Robert Boss. And uh, I think it's time to paint like a Robert Boss. So let's make some room. Stella, did you bring your poncho? These are my best I know. We're going to leave. We're going to put on our ponchos and our goggles and our rain boots. And we are going to get out of here. And we're going to turn it over to the good Mr. Robert Boss. Robert, take it away. episode of Paint Like a Robert Boss with me, Robert Boss. I can't tell you how happy I am to be doing my third show here with Benedettiville. Never done three shows anywhere before. Their studio is just so kind and welcoming, and it looks so beautiful with all the lovely colors just splattered and spilled all over. Just a warm, creative, happy little studio they have here. Well, because this week has been all about butter and eggs and the lovely town that is Petaluma, I thought we'd paint a lovely landscape of the town today, okay? Just a peaceful little river flowing through a happy little town. Now, if there's one thing that I have a lot of, it's paint. But if there's one thing I don't have much of at all, it's patience. Most people will paint landscapes with all kinds of different paints on the palette and then mix them up a little bitty at a time and get out their little brushes and just dibble-dabble their lives away trying to get some paint on the canvas. Well, friends, we won't have to do any of that today. No siree. Today I've gone and converted your standard consumer-level flamethrower into a paint thrower. And that's right. Didn't take but an afternoon and some real fun time in the shed with a bunch of happy little tools and a little bit of luck. And now I've got myself a state-of-the-art paint thrower. So instead of a dippy-dapping teeny brushes into a palette, we'll just dump every color we want for our landscape into this here paint fuel tank that I have on my back. So just squeeze in every old color that you want there. Blue, brown, green, white, red, shoot, purple. I don't know why not. Even a little splash of the alizarin crimson for good measure. So take a minute, get all your materials ready at home, and then we'll get going here, okay? Now, we just need to start it up. And the important thing to remember with the paint thrower conversion that I did is never, ever, ever push this big red button right over here next to my thumb. That'll start the fire going in. Ooh, Nelly, nothing is going to ruin a painting faster than setting it on fire, let me tell you. Okay, let's get it going. Okay, once you got your paint thrower up and running, it's time to start throwing that paint around. Woo! Keep an eye on that paint stream because you never know what color or color mix you're going to get. Oh, oh, it's blue. Let's throw a river on there. Oh, and when it's brown, we'll get some buildings going. And if you don't want a color, you just put it any old place. Purple, I don't need purple, so let's just get a little bit on the ceiling up there. Oh, wow, but does this thing throw out the paint? Wow, it gets, gets all over, even if... 
you if you're aiming real careful, that kind of gets all over your hands. It's actually pretty slippery there. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, no. Oh, the hell, I've gone and done it. Whoa, my thumb slipped and I hit the flamethrower button. Well blasted. Here I was thinking I had just orange paint coming out, but it's actually real fire. Wow. Look at that. It really just, just love that oil paint just lights right up. Oh, wow. Wee. I'll just have to take my jacket off real quick and throw it on top of the flames right here. <laughs> okay, there we go. <sighs> we got it turned off, and the fire is out. Now, remember, here at Paint Like a Robert Boss, we don't ever make mistakes or accidentally set our paintings on fire or anything like that at all. No, sir. Here at Paint Like a Robert Boss, we just have creative happenings. Yeah, that's right. We do it all the time. So let's have a look here. Here's a lot of smoke in the air still, but through the smoke you can see a nice river and some splashy, smudgy kinds of buildings, or maybe it's a bridge. I don't know. They could be trees. Anyway, it's just a lovely, happy little smudge of painting, all full of little creative happenings everywhere. And yeah, it's a very creative, happy, smoky burn zone. Let's just sign that with my nice little bushy mustache here real quick. Swish, swish, swish. Yep. Oh, oh, there's the fire alarm. Well, I suppose we're just about done here for the week. I'm so glad you joined me today. We'll see you next time here at Paint Like a Robert Fox. Okay, toodaloo, folks. Smoke is pretty thick in the studio, so. Oh, Robert. He's a real good guy, real inspiring guy, but holy mackerel. Those are, uh, what do you think? <laughs> Stella was asking me uh, about flamethrowers uh, while we were uh, watching uh, Robert Boss do his uh, paint throwing, and um, yeah, they're real. Flamethrowers. Watch out. Be safe. Paint throwers. Yeah, and Watch get, get out. a paint thrower. That sounds like fun. Well, let's hear what the, Jenny went out and uh, she asked some more kids what they thought about stories. So let's let's hear let's hear some more of that. Thanks, though. What are your favorite kinds of books to read? Um, I really like uh, fantasy books, especially about dragons, but I do like the Harry Potter series and the um, Rick Riordan series. And I also love science fiction, especially dystopian features um, on other planets and stuff, and also on Earth. Like, um, even though it's not a book, I really like Interstellar. So, um, I also read the Dragon Drums books, the Dragon Drum, Dragon Song stuff. That was pretty cool. Um, I really like um, when sci-fi mixed with fantasy, and that's pretty cool. I My favorite books, though. Our Wings of Fire, which is a dragon. Um, it's dragons, and yeah. Yeah. Thank you.
think so. Happy birthday to you. All right, we're bringing that microphone back down again. Uh, well, that actually happened, and I was going to ask Stella what she thought, if she thought that it actually happened or not, but um, the Goblin Lands are super real. Now, I don't know if they've ever found that ring. Yeah, you're on, you're on. As long as you can't, you know, you can't scream into the mic. Lovely. Anyway, so if you guys uh, that was pretend because goblins don't talk like that. Um, and you never found a magic ring. I've asked Nino that before. Oh, and Nino and I have got to get our story straight. Hey, Nino, quit, quit it. <laughs> Let's hear what this narrator has to say. And remember, we're on a tight schedule, all right? So just keep to the script and keep to your time allotment, okay? Ah, yes, of course. I am a professional narrator. My gracious. Okay, right, right on then. Okay, on in five, four, three, two, <clears throat> Welcome, dear radio listeners. I am a professional narrator. It will be my great and wonderful privilege to narrate to you during this next very strictly timed radio segment a most wonderful story in this my melodious and velvet-toned voice. So sit back, relax, and enjoy as I spin you a tale. Let us begin. The tale of Ramsey Waxworth, the only girl ever to actually ride a hippogriff. Once upon a time... Wait, 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 wait. I'm, I'm very sorry, but as a dutiful narrator, it would not be fair for me to continue until we have explained what a hippogriff is. How in the deuce could you want to listen to a story called The Tale of Ramsey Waxworth, the only girl ever to actually ride a hippogriff, if you were unclear... As to what the hippogriff was, huh? Well, it's a good thing you're in the hands of a capable and professional narrator. Not some amateur clown narrator person bumbling his way through a story without explaining hippogriffs or anything. Why, that's what we narrators do. We explain. A hippogriff, dear listener, is a cross between a horse, a lion, and an eagle, or a horse and a griffin, which is, of course, part lion and part eagle itself. The name is derived from the Greek word hippos, meaning horse, and griff, as in griffin. Now that you have it in your mind's eye and that important detail has been settled, let us begin. Okay, finally, here we go. Once upon a time, there was a girl named Ramsey Waxworth. She lived with her grandparents in a small town near the ocean. Her parents had disappeared mysteriously three years ago. They had, quite literally, disappeared. Ramsey, who was seven years old at the time, saw it all. They were eating dinner, and then there was a soft poof sound. And in a tiny puff of gray smoke, her parents disappeared. Just like that. Ramsey remembered them as looking surprised as they poofed away. The police and investigators, of course, had no leads. The police and investigators, of course, didn't believe in magic. And they didn't believe Ramsey. Ramsey was now ten, and in an ongoing effort to find her parents, she had taken to the pursuit and study of magic. Real magic. Her grandparents were of the mysterious twinkly-eyed sort, and so they were very helpful and had a number of books in their very large library devoted to the study, practice, and history of real magic. 
when Ramsay wasn't in school or practicing her cello, she was reading, studying, and working on her very real magic. On that fateful day... Uh, you know what? I'm, no, I'm no, very sorry, no, but I yet. cannot continue Please, this story in good faith. I've just said oh, so much goodness. about the story, but there are so many details that have been left out. I mean, what kind of author are we really dealing with here? I mean, what kind of careless writer tosses characters into a world without any context or details, without explaining things? <laughs> well, it's a good thing you're in the hands of a professional narrator. Yes, a good thing you're in the confident and capable hands of a traditional, dyed-in-the-wool, back-to-basics, let's-explain-things narrator. Now, let's go back and fill in some of the gaping, terrible gaps in this story, shall we? I'm sure you're just as eager to hear the details as I am to narrate. Now, as we go back and... Ah, uh, yes, it says here that she lives with her grandparents. Well, what about them? Do they even have names? Are they tall, no short, cares. fat, bald, dapper, he farmers, giraffes? Does he have a beard? Is the grandmother the kind that no, bakes delicious cookies and likes to garden? Does the grandfather no. smoke a pipe? No. Let's provide the no. details, the please, Mr. Lazy Author. And next, the story goes on to say that our heroine, Ms. Ramsey Waxworth herself, and these featureless grandparents live in a small town near the ocean. Well, what ocean? On what continent? What country? There's such neglect by an author. It's shameful. Uh, that means, are we in China, Brazil, Morocco, Australia, Antarctica, Canada, Tanzania? Where is this matter. town? It What's it matter. like? We're running out of time. The author here has obviously neglected to supply these absolutely Enough. essential details, but worry not. As a professional narrator, I am licensed to provide details and to explain situations that may otherwise be quite confusing. So, let us fill in these gaps, shall we? Ramsey Waxworth lived with her grandparents who were named, let's say, Bruce and Susan Waxworth. And Bruce was a kind, wrinkled old man with a tuft of white hair on each side of his bald head. He smoked a pipe. And he no loved to play checkers. His favorite color was. His favorite color was blue. His wife, Susan Waxworth, was a full foot taller than Bruce, who was rather short and round. She wore spectacles for reading and had a head of bright red curly hair, which she had dyed every week. She loved to play the accordion and to cook very spicy foods. They lived in a town called uh, Dugan's Beach. It was a small town, only 200 or so people, and most of them were fisher folk who lived by what the ocean provided. Cypress trees reached their twisted and clawing limbs over cliffs and seagrass covered hills. The general store in the town was stocked with groceries. It was a peaceful, quiet, and pleasant place. We've got 30 seconds left. 30 seconds. Wait, what? Yeah, that's it. What? 30 seconds left. Well, I protest. What kind of wicked story is this? To leave it unfinished only because of the laziness and the terrible writing of this crooked author? It's not fair. But, but I had to give context and details. Why, it is the very work of a great narrator to explain things. And it is also the great work of every great narrator to, to finish the story. Yes, I must finish the story. Okay, very well, very well. The very short version, please forgive the lack of details, blame it on the author and not on this poor, mistreated, and yet still very, very professional and talented narrator. Ahem. Uh, uh, one day, Ramsey cast a spell and a hippogriff appeared, and they became friends. The hippogriff flew her to a magical land of Gomph, where her parents were imprisoned by a wicked sorcerer. Ramsey's magic and her hippogriff triumphed over the sorcerer, and then they all flew home together and lived happily ever after. The end. 
Okay, that's a wrap, folks. What a total mess. Let's go on to the next thing. You're listening to Benadavidu, KPCA FM. I got beans. I got magic beans. Special magic beans for sale. It'll only cost you one cow. Come on now. Come on, bring me your cow. Bring it on down to me and I'll trade you for my most magical beans. Magic beans. I don't know what they'll do. Go overnight to a towering beanstalk that'll take you into the clouds? I don't know. Maybe. Explode when you water them? Well, perhaps. I don't know. They're magic. Who can say? They might just be beans. They might be delicious beans. They might be beans that make you sleepy, make you fly, make you wake up in another world where all the cats all talk and people just sleep in the sun all day. I don't know. Magic beans don't follow any rules. All I need is a cow. I'm sure you have a cow. Bring me your cow, and I will trade you wonderful, magical, terrible beans. Well, just listen to what these satisfied customers have to say. Hi, my name is Jack, and I traded a cow for three beans. And at first, my family was really mad. But then the beans grew into a huge beanstalk overnight, so I climbed it. And to make a long story short, now I have a goose that lays golden eggs. So, yeah, the magic beans for a cow trade was really a good call for my family and me. When I planted my magic beans, they didn't do anything. I thought that old man cheated me out of a cow. And four years later, I woke up and there was a tree in my yard that Toasters. Really, I have toaster tree. I never wanted a toaster tree, but now I sell the toasters. I'm not rich, but there are worse jobs. Let me know if you need a toaster. The new crop should be ripe soon. When I traded my cow for some magic beans, I didn't even plant them. I boiled them right up away on the stove. My husband and I had bean soup for dinner that night. Now we both have wings. It's hard to find clothes and we can't sleep on our backs. But otherwise, things have worked out pretty well. Do you see what I'm talking about? Magic beans! I had no idea those things would happen. All I know is that I have magic beans coming out my ears. Really, actually coming out of my ears. But I don't need magic beans. I need cows. So come down. Trade me your cow. Try my magic beans. Magic beans! I think he's supposed to say where he lives and his address so I actually know where to find it. Well, if anybody needs to get in touch with uh, the Magic Beans dealer, he is an exclusive sponsor of Benedettiville Small Town Adventures here in Petaluma, California, and you can get in touch with the Magic Beans salesman. So I have tons of Magic Beans. At for no cows. Mail. Except for my dog. Mail at Benedettiville.com. Mail at com. You can send us uh, actual mail to a P.O. Box 336, and that is P.O. Box 336 in Petaluma, California, on 44th Street. That's 44th Street. This is kind of a tricky one because if you say 44th Street, people might think that you're on 
street number 44, but we're on street number 4, and the address is 40. Huh? Pretty tricky. Um, actually, that's not tricky because I know where we live. <laughs> so that's P.O. Box 23640 on 4th Street in Petaluma, California, 94952. And that's actually the Mail Depot. So if you're a Petalumen and you hang out down with Mo at the Mail Depot, just drop off. We'll hook you up with some magic beans. Yeah, magic beans. Magic beans. Um, the magic beans voice. Do it right now. I, I like can't. I, there's no way I can do a Magic Beans voice because clearly I'm... Your best Magic Beans. Magic Beans! How's that? Magic Beans! That's pretty good? Adorable. <laughs> well, I really... um Man, we got to fire that narrator, huh? That guy was really... He got really off topic. I mean, we should give him more time. You think we should give him more time? I like his story. <laughs> Well, all right. You know that narrator? You got another chance. Maybe we'll get you another story one of these days. But you got to promise to stick closer to the script. That poor producer guy was really having a hard time with you. All right. Well, um, we're going to get to uh, an actual story here. And it'll be a story um, that was inspired by our own very dear Benedetti children. But first, let's hear... Let's hear about stories from somebody else. Okay. Awesome. Let's, let's hear about I like stories. I do too. What are your favorite kinds of stories to read? Definitely realistic, realistic fiction or just fiction itself. I love fiction, just the category. I like how what some of my favorite books like are the Land of Story series, which I'm on the fourth one right now. I really like that. It takes it to a new world, like the it takes it to the land stories and describes it, and it has a lot of plot twists. And I like the adventure of it. I like the adventure of. Oh man, you got to be quick on the dials over here when Stella Jean is on the microphone. Holy cow! Um, I just love hearing how much you kids out there are reading and how much you love stories. Totally exciting for us. Um. Yeah, I know. We've got some more places that we've been. All right. We're going to get to it. So, are you ready for some places that uh, that your mom has been? Yeah, I know. I turned off her microphone. So, if you're having a hard time hearing her, don't blame me. Blame Stella and her random screaming. Here we go. <laughs>
places that I've been, outer space. Total true story. I know. Hey. I remember when it happened. All right, well, hey. we have gotten to that wonderful time. Gotten to that wonderful time in our show. We get to read your story. Now, um, this idea started because Jenny and I have two daughters that are complete story monsters. They are story eaters. They need stories. And when you're, especially when you're driving around, all of a sudden it's like, tell a story. story. You tell a story, but then when that story's done, guess what? More stories. We want another story. Story, 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 story. And it's like they're ravenous for stories. And so was born this idea and this story. This is called The Story Eater, or How I Learned to Make a Delicious Story, by Gio Benedetti. We begin. Hello there. I'm a dad. My kids, I have two girls, call me Papa, and you can call me Gio if you like. That's my nickname. It's funny that you're reading this story because for a long, long time, I never told stories. I didn't know how. I could read them, but I couldn't make them up, and I certainly couldn't make them up on the spot in my car while I was very hungry for pizza and driving home from work. But that all changed when I met the story eater. Let me explain. I was working at the city office for curb painting. Now, I'm sorry to interrupt the story here for a second so soon after I started, because I know that this part of the story isn't that good yet. Please be patient, because the story is going to get much better. Consider this the healthy salad or the vegetable that you have to eat before you get to the pizza dinner. Also, I'll explain the food and story comparison in a little bit. Just hang in there. Also, 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 between explaining the story during the story, um, it doesn't necessarily make for a good-tasting story while you're explaining the story inside of the story. Now, remember that when you're making your own story, okay? Okay, now back to the actual story. Look around your town or city. I bet you'll see all kinds of colors on your curbs. Red for fire lanes, those are my favorite. Blue for special parking zones. White for all kinds of different things. Green for limited time parking. Yellow for loading zones. Purple for rocket ship parking. That one's actually not true. I just wanted to make sure that you're still paying attention. Most people get pretty bored when I start telling them about my job of curb painting. I did love my job, though. Painting curbs all day, it was so satisfying. There was really only one thing that I loved more than painting curbs, and that was cooking. Cooking pizza in particular. The mixing and the kneading of the dough, the rising, the sauce, the cheese, the toppings. Ah, I get excited just writing it down. Friday night was pizza night in our house. Every Friday, pizza dinner. It was my favorite night of the week. And on this one particular Friday, I was more excited than usual to get home because I had forgotten my lunch and I had painted so many curbs. I was hungry and I was very much looking forward to some delicious, cheesy, saucy pizza. Uh, pause story for a second. I hope you are not hungry as you're reading this story or it may be very hard for you to get through. Also, if you are hungry, you should probably take a break right now and go eat some pizza. Also, also, if you take a break right now to go eat pizza, please let me know because, as you know, I really love pizza and you can invite me over to come and share the pizza. Okay, sorry. Back to the story. Ahem. 
When I had finished my day's work, I jumped in my car, pulled out of the street, and drove hungrily for home. I had only driven about one block when I heard a noise coming from the back seat. A sort of low, groany, moany kind of noise. So hungry, went the noise. It was a rumbly, growly noise, and I was certainly not used to hearing it on the way home from work. I nervously adjusted the rearview mirror, and in that rectangle, I saw a very strange and unexpected thing. Sitting in the middle of the back seat of my car was a furry creature about the size of a fattish cat. It had two small horns coming out of its furry head little furry paws, and a huge mouth, which it was using to go, Oh, I'm so, so hungry. Now, you can imagine how surprised and nervous I was, and you might think that I should have pulled over or called for help, but you must also remember that I could not possibly stop driving home. I was so very hungry myself, and home was where a delicious pizza dinner was waiting for me, and there was no way I was going to stop the car. Also, I couldn't help but feel sorry for the little furry creature. After all, I was very hungry, too. I said, um, there's some food at my house. When we get there, I can bring you some. Food, the little creature said, not very politely. I don't eat food. Blah. I'm a story eater. I eat stories. A story eater? What? You've never seen a story eater before? All right, hurry, hurry up. I haven't had a story all day, and I'm starving. Uh, I'll be home soon, I said. We have lots of great stories at home. I'll hop in, I'll grab a few, and I'll read you stories. Oh, I need a story now, the story eater moaned, and it took a big bite out of my back seat. The foam in the upholstery went flying. Okay, 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 I hollered. I'll tell you a story. Just stop eating my car. I racked my brain to try and think of a story that I had told before, but I was hungry and nervous, and I hadn't been telling stories, like I had said before. All I could come up with was this. Okay, um, a man was out painting a curb one day at a new crosswalk in town when he... Yuck! Spat the story eater from the back seat. What kind of story is that? I hope you don't serve this kind of story to your kids. Uh, no, I said. We eat real food. Uh, and actually, tonight is pizza night. And anyway, that's my story. Food, pizza, interrupted the story eater. Listen, how do you make that pizza stuff that you eat? It asked. I brightened up. I could talk about pizza and making pizza all day. Well, you start with your basics. You got to have some flour, some salt, some water, and then the yeast. And then you got to mix it up. And I started to explain. The story eater interrupted me again. Okay, okay, that's good enough to get us started. Listen. It's the same with storytelling. You start with the basics. Some story basics for starting are Once Upon a Time, or In the Beginning, or There Once Was, or It Was a Dark and Stormy Night. But actually, that one's a little too spicy for me. And then you take it from there, okay? Oh, I said. I think I see. Those are basics for storytelling, huh? Okay, I'll start again. And so I started again. Ahem. Once upon a time, I started. Oh, oh actually, mm, pretty good, said the story eater, its mouth somehow full of story. Okay, well, once upon a time, there was a, a man who painted curbs all day. Okay, now, sorry to interrupt the story again. It's just that I know that that is not a great way to start a story now. 
And I'm really sorry that two pages ago, that's exactly how kind of we started this story. And I know it's not good, but sometimes you just have to serve people Brussels sprouts for their own good. You know what I mean? Or for the story's own good, if you're following the analogy. Anyway, if that's confusing, you can totally ignore it. Now, we'll go back to the story again. Sorry. Yuck! Spat the story eater. Little wet bits of story sprang out all over the car. Terrible! Grown-up talking about work is not good to eat. It's dry and dull, it said, wiping its big mouth with a furry paw. Now listen, a story that starts once upon a time needs something tasty, like kings or queens or princesses or dragons or maybe, you know, something like that. Oh, I said, trying to concentrate on something other than pizza. Well, okay, um, once upon a time there was a king. Mmm, delicious. Mm -hmm. Came the chomping sounds from the back seat. I went on, and the king, uh... The king had to paint all the curbs in his kingdom. No, 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 no. Yuck. Blah. Came the spitty sounds from the story eater. Would you quit it with the curb painting already? The story eater spluttered. Kings don't paint curbs. They, they don't even have curbs to paint. You, listen, you wouldn't put soup on a pizza, would you? It asked me. I thought about that. Now, one of my favorite things about pizza is trying out all sorts of new and exciting things to put on top of it. But I imagined a wet, soggy, messy soup pizza. And I had to agree with the story eater. Well, no. I guess I wouldn't put soup on a pizza. Oh, so you're saying that the king needs to be doing things that go with a king. So, like, doing things that are more king-like. Yes, yes, exactly, said the story eater. Now, please, go on. I'm still so hungry. I began again. Alright, well, uh, once upon a time there was a king, and the king had a problem. The king was very hungry. And the kingdom had run out of pizza. Now, like, what else could I have said? I was so hungry, and I was so excited about pizza night that it was all that I was thinking about. And I was sure that I was going to hear more spitting sounds from the back seat. But instead, with its mouth full of story, the story eater said, Mmm, delicious. More. I was amazed. Remember, I had never told a story before, but I had cooked a lot of food. If cooking food was like telling a story, and if I could tell a story about pizza, then I might just be able to feed this little story eater something delicious. I continued. Oh, okay, so all of the pizza in the kingdom had been snatched by a greedy dragon named uh, Risotto. Mmm, very tasty. And it just happened to be the kingdom's royal pizza night. The king, queen, and their two princess daughters, all the lords and the ladies of the court, the knights, and the town people, they were all hungry and gathered for pizza. But there was none to be had. Oh, magnificent first course, sir. Very, very good. The story eater crowed from the back seat, its mouth still full of story. More, more, go on, please. So I went on, zipping through traffic, getting lost in the tasty goodness of making a story. My ingredients for the story were gathered up. I had one once upon a time, one king, one queen, two princesses, one dragon, one problem of hungry people and no pizza. Now, I just had to mix my ingredients together in the right way, sprinkle in the right amount of salt and spice and cook it all together, if, if you see what I mean. I continued. Okay, the king and his family decided that they would have to go and get that pizza back from the mean old dragon. So, they grabbed their pizza-making supplies, because that's all they had around on their royal pizza night. That was their aprons, their rolling pins, and their sacks of flour. 
and they headed out to the dragon's lair. Exquisite, delicious, more, more! Well, when they got to the lair, there was the dragon, just about to gobble up all of the stolen pizzas. Oh no! spluttered the story eater, a wet piece of story landing on my arm. What, what, what? What's wrong with the story? I said. Oh, pardon me. Nothing is wrong with the story. The story is quite delicious. Um, I was just worried about the dragon eating all the pizza. It, it's very exciting. Please, please, go on. So I went on. So, there was the big mean dragon about to gobble up all of the pizza. The king and his family had to think fast. They looked at what they had brought with them. Aprons, rolling pins, and flour. And they got busy. Mm, oh, God. They put their aprons on over their heads. The kids hopped on the king and queen's shoulders, and then they dumped flour all over themselves until they were completely covered, solid white. Then they took their rolling pins and waved them around and went, Woo! We are pizza ghosts! We have come to haunt the pizza-snatching dragon! Woo! Mmm, this is spicy, but not too spicy. I love it. Well, that dragon took one look at the two spooky pizza ghosts, and away it flew, spooked right out of its lair and right out of the story, never to be seen again. Oh, hooray! Superb, so tasty, delicious, well done! The king and the queen and the princesses dusted off the flour, loaded up the stolen pizzas, and made it home, still in time, for a delicious and still warm royal pizza night dinner. Mm. The end. Wait, wait, what? No dessert? Oh, Sorry, I said. And they all lived happily ever after, and they never missed another pizza night. The end. Ah, thank you. That was uh, delicious. And with that, the little creature curled up and started snoring. We were just then pulling into my driveway, and lickety-split, I ran inside to grab my family so that they could see the story eater for themselves. They thought I was joking, of course, but they did follow me back to the car all the same. When I opened up the back door of my car, there was no story eater was absolutely gone. All that was left was the big bite out of my back seat, little wet spit out pieces of story all over, and there was a small scrap of paper. I picked it up and it said, Thanks. See you later. S.E. That night, my family teased me a lot about the story eater, but I didn't mind. I was thinking about cooking and stories and we were all eating delicious pizza. Ever since that day, I've been reading lots and lots of stories, and they're all like little recipes. They give me all kinds of help to tell my own stories. I'm working really hard on telling really good stories because the story eater's note said, see you later. I want to be ready with delicious recipes when he comes back. You hear that, story eater? Are you out there? Come on over anytime. We've got fresh stories on the menu. The end. I'm hungry. Right now. I'm telling you. Story eaters about. I want pizza. You guys, thanks so, I want much, a story for, thanks so much for tuning in story. for this week's Ben and Daddyville Small Town Adventures. We'll see you next week. Thanks to everybody here at KPCA. Thanks to all of our sponsors and our guests. Thanks to Stella Jean. We'll see you next week.